Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially if you're visiting with us today. We are just delighted that you are here with us. On each one of the pews near the center aisle, there is a friendship pad. It's a black folder, and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out and let us know you're here and then pass it down the row so that others can do the same. I'd like to introduce to you our preacher this morning, who is Dr. Gareth Eisnogel. Gareth is going to be our interim pastor, which means he will be here for some period of time while we are choosing our next installed pastor. So you will hear more about him from Steve in, in a few minutes. And his wife, Vita, is here. You can recognize her because she's the one in the hat. So make sure that you greet her. And also their daughter and son-in-law and grandchild are back there, Tanya and Evan and little Amelia. Amelia, will you wave at us? There she is. Oh, so cute. Welcome. We're so glad that you could be here. You can see the announcements of the life of the church that are inside of the uh, connections that you'll find in your bulletin. Vacation Bible School starts tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. They would love it if you would take a prayer card, which is asking you to pray for one particular leader in the Vacation Bible School. Those are on a fishnet that you'll find inside of Tankersley Hall today after the service. Just take one and pray for those leaders throughout the week. Also next Sunday will be Vacation Bible School Celebration Sunday. So the kids will participate in the service and there'll be all sorts of festivities after the service with a bounce house and TK burger and all sorts of things. So be sure you're here. It's gonna be a great Sunday next week as it is today. Our summer choir has two more weeks so if you think that you might want to sing in a choir, this is a chance for you to do it without having to come to a midweek rehearsal. They rehearse at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning, and they just rehearse for about 25 minutes, and they're great, ready to go at 8.30. And then, as you'll see, they'll sing in this service, and then they'll leave. So you don't need to stay the entire morning, but just one and a half services. So give it a try. Come next week at 8 o'clock and see what it's like to sing in choir. I love it. Uh, our, each summer we have at home hospitality hours, ah, and those are a chance to get together and just meet people that you always hosted in a home. The next one is going to be the last Sunday of July, and it is going to be at Bill and Terry Shubin's home. You need to sign up to be part of that, and the sign up is out on the patio. There's no charge, but we ask you to bring an appetizer to share and whatever, the, whatever you want to drink. And it's just about a two-hour mixer to get to know people. And what we eat is whatever you bring, so bring something good. It's a great time together. <laughs> Our Red Cross blood drive will be August 1st, and there's a sign-up out on the patio. Sandy would love to sign you up to either give blood or to help advertise or to help work at the blood drive. Do spread the word to people in the community because lots of people in the community want to give blood, but they don't know where to go to do so, and this is a good chance for them to do that. Our pastor's Bible studies on Tuesday morning at 9.15 on Wednesday morning at 7 are going to be led this week by John Moore. And instead of being in the youth center where they normally are, they will be up in Hills Hall, which is by the office upstairs above the Rose Garden, in case you haven't found where that is yet. Anybody is welcome to be part of those. The Tuesday study is a women's study, and the Wednesday 7 a.m. study is for anybody who can get up that early. Uh, last Saturday night, Arnold Ford, one of our newest members, passed away. His wife, Marie, is regularly here, and there will be a service for Arnold that will be Saturday, July 28th at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And the flowers this morning are in honor of Dick and Carol Maxwell's 59th anniversary. Congratulations. Wow. I'm pretty sure they got married when they were 10 years old, don't you think? Well, let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let us pray. Great God, we are people who must sing you for the sake of our very lives. You are a God who must be sung by us for the sake of your majesty and honor. And so we thank you for lyrics that push us past our reasons, 
for melodies that break open our givens, for cadences that locate us home, for tones and tunes that open our lives. We are witnesses to your mercy and splendor. Receive our grateful praise as we come to worship you this morning through Christ our Lord. Amen. Please join me for our call to worship. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, indeed it faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even, Even the, the sparrow, sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise. Happy are those whose strength is in you, whose heart are the highways to Zion. For the, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, happy is everyone who trusts in you. Amen. Let us stand and worship the living God. Let's sing together, church. Praise the one who pierced the darkness with the liberating light. Praise the one who frees the prisoners, turning blindness into sight. Praise the Just 
search for yours. Hear us as we sing and as we pray this song. Jesus, take my life and lead me this day. All right, church, let's sing together. Lord, you have my heart. Lord, you have my heart and I will search for yours.
so be it, Lord. The psalmist calls us to confession. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We express our longing for God's leading by our own transparent confession. So let us pray responsively. Eternal God, we confess that we do not expect and long for the transforming power of your love to work miracles in these hard hearts of ours. Yet, Yet we, we secretly, secretly long for, for a rescue, an escape, a miracle, a miracle to, to relieve us of the responsibilities and the challenges you set before us. Healing Spirit, renew our confidence in your power and in the power of love to change our lives and give us courage to be the fully responsible, fully alive persons that Christ calls us to be as we bring you the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. My friends, hear the promises of God. I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will give you a new heart and put my new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. I give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. You will be my people, and I will be your God. Friends in Christ, by the power of the Spirit, we are united with Christ and given a new spirit. Live in the joy and peace of that assurance. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Amen. Amen. Bright and early tomorrow morning, Vacation Bible School will get started. And our theme for this next week is shipwreck. What's the next line, Beth? Rescued by Jesus. Rescued by Jesus. It's going to be a great week. We have over 120 children that have signed up for Vacation Bible School. And we have around 40 to 50 volunteers, staff people who will be leaders for the week. And that's a great uh, ministry that we can have as a church to our community and beyond. And so what we'd like to do this morning is pray for those folks that will be helping us out this week for Vacation Bible School. So if you'll be a leader, volunteer, staff person, if you can stand up so we can see you, and we're going to have you just stay in place there so we can pray for you. So stand up if you're going to be helping with Vacation Bible School. Great. Fantastic. Good. Well, let's pray for these folks. Almighty and merciful God, from whom comes all that is good, we praise you for all your mercies and your love that has redeemed us through Christ our Lord. We lift up our Vacation Bible School teachers and staff for this important and life-changing ministry they will provide this week. We pray that you bless them as they use their time, talents, gifts to share your word, grace, and purpose for life. Help them to encourage and support these children to guide them along in faith, hope, and love in Jesus our Savior. And we ask that you'd empower these leaders each and every day with your strength, endurance, and joy. And may they each work together as a vibrant team. We thank you for their willingness to serve. Bless them now, we pray in Jesus' name.
would like to introduce the Reverend Dr. Gareth Eisenogel, who's not only preaching today, but will also be our interim pastor starting sometime in September. Gareth has served for over 35 years in the Presbyterian Church, serving both large and small congregations. He has served as an interim at several churches and will be finishing up a call in Dallas before he starts with us sometime in September. Gareth was sharing with me in the prayer room that he is a Dallas Cowboys football fan, but more importantly, a Los, Ange Los Angeles Dodgers fan. Go blue. Right on. We may have to be a support group, a lot of Angels fans out here, so we'll look out for each other. <laughs> Kathy and I are looking forward to working with Gareth and the wisdom and experience he brings to our church at just the right time. I've actually met Gareth before, as he and our former associate pastor, Jeannie Thorndike, were friends and former co-workers, and some time ago, Jeannie invited Gareth to our church to both preach and lead up an adult education time. So Gareth, we're glad you're here with us today, and we look forward to your ministry with us this coming year. Thank you, Gareth. After I turn my microphone on at Laguna Presbyterian Church. There we go. And um, I had the fortune of getting to know Jerry Tankersley many, many years ago. Uh, we come out of uh, similar backgrounds of the La Cunada Presbyterian Church, common friendships in uh, Gary Demresk, who was the pastor of that congregation for many years. Uh, we have very similar styles of ministry. He's very focused in Bible study and teaching people Scripture. That's consistent with me as well. But he's also known uh, congregationally as well as denominationally as a person of gentle but assertive spirit. And um, he's a gift because sometimes people are gentle but not assertive and sometimes they're assertive but not gentle. So it's a good, good combination. I invite you now to listen to the Word of God from Mark chapter 4. This is the primary parable that Jesus taught, Jesus' statement that you'll see in the text. If you understand this parable, then you'll be able to understand all of the parables. This is the key to making sure we get the parables of Jesus. Again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea, and such a very large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat and on the sea and sat there while the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he began to teach them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose and it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30, 60, and 100 fold. And he said, let anyone with ears to hear listen. When Jesus was alone, those who were around him, along with the 12, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those on the outside, everything comes in parables, in order that they may indeed look, but not perceive. They may indeed listen, but not understand, so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. And then he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones on the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. 
but they have no root and endure only for a while. Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are those sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, and it yields nothing. And these are the ones sown on the good soil. They hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, 30 and 60 and 100 fold. And then a reiteration of the pattern of Jesus in verses 33 to 34. With many such parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. The word of the Lord. Some people have accused me of bringing the hot weather from Dallas to Laguna. I'm here to say this past week in Dallas, it's been relatively cool. I go back to Dallas, it's going to get hot again and be cool here. So I think it has more to do with my hotness than it does about necessarily bringing Dallas here. This parable is the parable that is key to us understanding most of the teaching of Jesus particularly the parables of Jesus. We see that Jesus is the center of community, that those who come in close to Jesus, those who are disciples and anybody else who wants to come in close, can ask him questions in private that they don't ask in the middle of the crowd. Those that come in close are the ones that Jesus invites into his pattern of life, into his culture and his mission. We learned fairly early on as we follow Christ that the strategy or the purpose or the mission can only be accomplished if we get the culture right. That means we only really can do the work of Jesus as if we've got the pattern of how Jesus did discipleship in our pattern of life. To try to do the mission or the strategy of Jesus without getting the culture right is it just not workable? And what is the culture? The culture is simply a culture that comes in close to Christ in the center of the community to be able to be free to ask questions, wrestle with things, and then have a better sense of deeper understanding so that we can be more deeply grounded into the presence and community of who Christ is to do the mission of Jesus. I've had many opportunities to be invited into the inner community where I can ask questions. My very first experience of Laguna Beach was in 1968. I had become very fascinated with a concert violinist at the University of California at Riverside, thought she was beautiful, a wonderful musician, And as soon as I met her, she says, I want you to meet my mom. That was her pattern. Any guy that showed interest always got filtered off to mom. So I met mom. And mom became for me a major mentor where I could wrestle with my faith in a very quiet and accessible place. In fact, over the months, I probably grew closer to mom than I did to the daughter. Probably a fatal mistake on my part. And finally, the daughter decided, I'm going to marry somebody else. And the mother was not necessarily happy about that. She says, I'm going to find somebody who will marry you. And she introduced me to my future spouse, Vita. So my potential mother-in-law became our matchmaker. And Vita's right down here. Mrs. Burks was her name. 
And I spent a lot of hours wrestling with my faith in her presence. She was the one who introduced me to, for those of you who may remember, the books by Keith Miller called A Taste of New Wine and a Second Touch. Anybody here remember those books? For many of us as Presbyterians, mainline church people, they were a new introduction to consider in a new way the deeper and intimate relationship that one could have with Christ. And so my life changed because I had a lot of access to a mentor. Over the years, because of those moments, I have learned to appreciate the value of being in a small community in order to study scripture and to talk about the real stuff of life. Small groups. My wife and I over the years have been in a number of small groups. In Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, as it turned out, when we moved into the place where we lived for many years, we found out as soon as we bought the house and moved in that across the street one way was uh, an elder and across the street another way was a trustee. We were immediately being watched. And we decided rather than try to avoid them, we did develop a small group with all of them. And we met in our homes as a group of five couples. And in one of those homes, they had a very large mastiff dog. And if you've never experienced a mastiff, when that dog stood on its hind legs, it was taller than me. And it was a friendly dog, which means it was always trying to lick my face. When we met in their home, particularly on a winter's evening, their fireplace was on, and the mastiff dog would come into the middle of us five couples and literally round itself out in the middle of the group and lay down and just contently sit there and lay there while we had our group meeting. And that worked pretty well for the first few minutes, but then it became so relaxed that it began to snore. (laughs) And we actually had it snoring so loud that we couldn't carry on the group, so we had to pick up the group, because we couldn't move the dog at that point, (laughs) and go to a place where we could meet without the snoring. You know, one of the things we find out in community is that when we come in close together, we really begin to see each other's life patterns as they really are. We can't hide things like mastiff dogs. And so while there is a wonderful sense of warmth and community there, there's also the constant sense that we are seeing stuff about each other that we may or may not want to remember. And so it is that coming in close to Jesus and coming in close to the other disciples not only gives us clarity about the things that we want to know, but clarity about the things that sometimes make us uncomfortable that we must face. When we leave the crowd and we come into the presence of Christ in private, we are making that movement of discipleship that Jesus is talking about in this parable. The word parable, parabolos in Greek, literally means to throw out something alongside of something that's going on. It means to throw the ball. Ballus is literally the same word we get ball from. Jesus is teaching a, a group of stories over here to the crowd that he's living out over here with the disciples. And unless the crowd can move out of itself and come close to Jesus, they will never get the full meaning of the parables. And this is one of those things that should make all of us a little nervous. When Jesus says, well, the reason I teach in parables to the crowd is so they won't understand. They won't perceive. Not only that, we don't want them to repent or change. If you stay in the crowd, you won't get it. And you won't change. Now, I don't know about you as Presbyterians, but that always makes me a little nervous because we tend to be very crowd-oriented in not only our Presbyterian tradition, but in the Protestant traditions in America. Americans love hanging out anonymously in crowds. But Jesus is being real clear here. 
unless you can come out of the crowd and come close to me in the context of a discipleship community, you simply won't get it. How would you like to hire a preacher, a pastor, with the understanding that that pastor preaches on Sunday morning so you'll never understand what he or she is saying? pastor won't last very long. But that's exactly Jesus' methodology. That's his culture. He wanted people not to get it in the crowd so they would really hunger to come into his presence. And that's the place of transformation. So when he talks about the four soils, he's really talking about the movement from the crowd to the intimate place of discipleship. Those that hang out in the crowd are the people that are on the beaten path, the hardened ground. The summertime, and particularly over the last couple of weekends, there have been a lot of beaten paths that have been more intensified in their hardness here in Laguna because of all the crowds, even on the beach. Those crowds don't come in here unless they're curious and they want to ask some questions. And then the question is, do we allow questions and conversations to happen when they come in? Or are we just another extension of the crowd? In our Reformed tradition, sometimes we are so wrapped up in the preaching moment that we forget one-way communication is not the best way to learn and grow. The communication that we really learn and grow in the midst of is a conversational communication and access to seeing people up close and personal to to see their example and to wrestle with the consistency between their words and their actions. And so Jesus is inviting us to come in close, to move out of the crowd and into a committed discipleship group. Now, he also illustrates a couple of other levels of coming into that closeness with the soil group that's on rocky ground and a soil group that's full of weeds. I would call the rocky ground group those that are curious. They kind of venture in and they're kind of fascinated with what's going on, but they don't come in closer or more deeply. And after a while, the superficiality just blows them away. There's another group that comes in more often. We often refer to them in the church as C&E Christians. They're here on Christmas and Easter. And those are the ones that are actually see faith as convenient. I'll show up when it's convenient for me to show up. Those are the ones that are in the weedy soil. And Jesus clearly says, but the lure of wealth, the concerns for everyday life, and the cares of the world are probably going to chew them up. It's only those who can come in close enough over a long period of time to walk with Jesus in private that really get it. In fact, the word that is used by Jesus here for the deeper fertile ground is the same word we get cult from. It's the cultivated place. Would it be an overstatement to say you're going to discover the secrets if you come and hang out in the cult of Jesus? Well, that begins to make us very nervous. We like it to be a little more convenient, a little more for the curious, a little more for the crowd. And so understand that the call to discipleship and how parables work permeates this entire text. You might say that the red print of Jesus' teaching has to match the black print of Jesus' actions if you really want to grow in faith. The parable is the red print in the stories. The black print is where the disciples hang out. And that's where we grow. To understand the parable is to understand how Jesus worked with real people. To understand that Jesus' culture that he's developing is a culture of closeness and proximity, of asking questions, of struggling with the meaning of things with each other and with Jesus in the middle of that conversation. 
And that culture needs to be well established in the life of the church before we venture out and do the strategy of mission. Let me say that again. That culture needs to be well integrated in the pattern of how we do mission and the preparation process for being in mission in order for us to understand that it's growing into the depth of Jesus. The culture, as according to Peter Drucker, the management consultant, will often have the strategy for breakfast. So in our future, as we're preparing to think about the strategic possibilities for this church's future, let us not forget the culture that Jerry brought in here, along with the other pastors, of close proximity to the learning process of Bible study and to wrestling with faith. Because if we can hold on to that culture, then we can continue to develop a good strategy. Well, you can see that this can apply to every part of life. It works in proximity to our children and our grandchildren. If we give them access to us, then they don't just hear what we say, they see what we do. And it is the combination of the hearing and the seeing that helps them to catch the fullness of the potential of learning from us. And sometimes we get nervous about that. We say to our kids, well, don't do what I do, do what I say. Well, you know how much they do that. It doesn't work. It doesn't work with Jesus either. You never heard Jesus saying, do what I say, but don't do what I do. And so it is a cultural process that we establish in order to do the mission and strategy of Jesus. Now in that third soil group, where I think a lot of Christians hang out today, the place where it is convenient, we can get pulled away from so many weedy things in our lives, I think that it's often reduced to four major events of life. I'm in the church because I was baptized. I'm in the church because that's where I was married. I'm in the church when I got into trouble, that's where they put me back together again. I'm in the church continuing because I hope that's where they do my memorial service. Or those are in the church because they've been hatched, matched, patched, and dispatched. (laughs) I just want you to know that's not discipleship. That's convenient church membership. And if we are wrapped up in convenient church membership, we've got to change the culture. Well, we could talk about many many illustrations of this. One of them is personal for me. And my father, growing up in our household, my dad was a lay Bible study teacher for the church in which he was. And... um, And he would teach us in the family, particularly when we heard the sermon on Sunday morning, so this is something you might want to try. We went home, my dad would often take the Bible and put it on the lunch table, and he'd read the text and say, now let's see if what the preacher said is what the text really says. You know what we discovered many Sundays? There was no connection. So early on, my dad told taught us to always hold the preacher accountable to the text and the culture and the modeling of what's being said. So I offer that to you. Hold me accountable as I come as your interim pastor for the integrity between the word and my actions. Because that's where Jesus really hangs out. And that's where our children thrive. That's where our grandchildren thrive. That's where people really learn and grow. That's where churches are transformed. And that's what's going to drive this church and move it into the future. It's built upon what Jerry modeled for many years and what your current pastors believe and model. And we're going to keep walking that walk on fertile ground. Let us pray together. We are grateful, gracious God, that you sent Jesus into the world to come close to us, to be God with us, God among us. 
that we might actually touch him and talk with him. We might disagree with him and he might disagree with us. And we might see how he responded and reacted to real situations. Help us to have that kind of vulnerability with each other in your presence, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to join with me to now stand and give each other an affirmation of our faith as we respond to the word. In life and death we belong to God. Through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, we trust in the one triune God, the Holy One of Israel, whom alone we worship and serve. We We trust trust in Jesus Christ, Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives, teaching by word and deed and blessing the children, healing the sick and binding up the brokenhearted, eating with outcasts, forgiving sinners, and calling all to repent and believe the gospel. Unjustly condemned for blasphemy and sedition, Jesus was crucified, suffering the depths of human pain and giving his life for the sins of the world. God raised Jesus from the dead, vindicating his sinless life, breaking the power of sin and evil, delivering us from death to life eternal. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life nor in death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Invite the ushers to come forward and we'll take up the morning offering.
well, church. God is with us. Let's stand as we sing the doxology this morning. Sing it a cappella. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures. Gracious God, we thank you for your love which surrounds our lives. Bless us and disturb us with the vision of what it means to come in close to you and to follow you. As we voice our hopes to you now, strengthen us, give us grace to be your disciples. Have mercy, O Lord, on the nations of the world. So unable to extricate ourselves from generations of political manipulation and hatred and retaliation. Have mercy on the many in our world for whom today is another day of trying to find something to eat. For those for whom today is another day lived under the yoke of oppression, under the threat of abuse, under the violence of war. We pray for safe rescue for the boys and their leaders in Thailand. And we pray for all who are in the path of the fires, for Forest Home Camp, for all their staff, and campers who will be coming this week. Have mercy, O oh Lord, on all who are lonely, on those whose relationships are strained and breaking. We pray for those who are ill, who are recovering from surgery, who are coping with pain, fearing the worst, and for those who care for them, and for the deepest hopes of our hearts, we pray now before you in silence. As we bring you these gifts, we ask that you will give us grace to be generous with you and with others, with our time and love and energy, and to follow you and the ways of your kingdom, even as we pray for the day when your kingdom comes in its fullness, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our closing hymn, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, Oh, for grace to trust him more, and to follow him more closely. Together. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to
So in that inner circle of Jesus, there was a lot of trust developing. Because closeness and proximity makes us vulnerable. We see who we really are, and we are confronted with changing the behaviors that hurt the trust and increasing the behaviors that build the trust. Jesus shows us that cultural pattern, which helps us to become a church that can do the mission because we have the trust. So go in the grace, mercy, love, and trust of Jesus today that we can together do the strategy and mission of Christ. Amen. Amen.